Well, the Equitarian Initiative is a group of veterinarians that upon learning that 90% of the world's equids are underserved by veterinary medicine. So there's only 1% of the veterinarians work on these animals, so they're very underserved. Once learning that, uh, these veterinarians, equine veterinarians, decided that they had a moral obligation to try to put a small dent into that, to try to help to give back. Everybody was an experienced uh, equine veterinarian and uh, everybody involved found giving back was going to be an important part of, of what they did for the rest of their careers. Welcome to Equimanagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. I'm your host, Kimberly Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Today's guest is Dr. Tracy Turner, owner of Turner Equine Sports Medicine and Surgery. Dr. Turner is a diplomate of the American College of Veterinary Surgeons and the American College of Veterinary Sports Medicine and Rehabilitation, and he's a fellow of the American Academy of Thermology. Dr. Turner was raised on a small ranch in southwestern Colorado. As a youth, he was active in the local 4-H horse program. As a young adult, he apprenticed with a farrier in 1972 and used those skills to help finance his education. From that time on, he has dedicated his life to horses. He received his DVM degree from Colorado State University in 1978, after which he was able to pursue his interest in equine medicine and surgery. He is board certified in veterinary surgery and equine sports medicine and rehabilitation. He served on the faculty of the University of Illinois, University of Florida, and the University of Minnesota. He joined Enochia Equine Clinic in 2004 and started his own practice in 2016 dedicated strictly to sports medicine, lameness, and surgery. Dr. Turney consults for the FEI and the U.S. Equestrian Federation. Dr. Turner has had the privilege of working at three Pan American Games. He's also going to serve at this year's Pan American Games. He's all, he has worked at the Olympic Games and two World Equestrian Games. He's a member of the AVMA, the American Association of Equine Practitioners, the Minnesota Association of Equine Practitioners, the American Farriers Association, American Association of Professional Farriers, and the Minnesota Farriers Association. Dr. Turner has served as chairman of the AAP's Farrier Liaison Committee and is serving on the AAP Foundation and Educational Committees. He's a past president of the Minnesota Association of Equine Practitioners and has been active in the Minnesota Horse Council since 2002. Thank you, Dr. Turner, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about the Equitarian Initiative. Thank you, for Kimberly, for having me. So let's explain a little bit to our veterinary audience. What is the Equitarian Initiative? Well, the Equitarian Initiative is a group of veterinarians that upon learning that 90% of the world's equids are underserved by veterinary medicine. So there's only 1% of the veterinarians work on these animals, so they're very underserved. Once learning that, uh, these veterinarians, equine veterinarians, decided that they had a moral obligation to try to put a small dent into that, to try to help to give back. Everybody was an experienced uh, equine veterinarian and uh, everybody involved found giving back was going to be an important part of, of what they did for the rest of their careers. 
And how was the Equitarian Initiative started? I, I think it's a 501c3, is that correct? It's a 501c3. It was started, actually it started at a coffee shop. Um, three people got together to, to talk about this. The, that is there something we can do uh, as, as veterinarians, American veterinarians. Uh, it was Jay Miriam, uh, Julie Wilson, and Joe Bertone having coffee, just talking. And so they got the idea that well, we need to do something. And it was at that meeting, I think, Jay Miriam is, is a descendant of Miriam Dictionary, so he felt that he could coin the word equitarian, uh, meaning that it's, it's a doing like humanitarian work except on horses. Uh, so, so that's how that got started. And then it went from there to have discussions. And the AAP was generous enough to say they could have uh, a portion to bring people together to talk about this. And so the group, Julie mostly went out and started finding out who was doing what, where, and, and where can we find these people and to bring them together at an AAEP meeting in 2008 or 2009, 2000, yeah, someplace in there. Um, and have a half a day session about this. And it was so popular, it filled the rooms. I mean, and, and from there, one of the speakers from Mexico uh, invited the Americans down to become students to watch how they do it. If you wanna try doing it, you gotta learn first, because it's not just showing up with your black bag. So they went down there to learn how it, the Mexicans were doing, look at the, the relationships they got with other groups. They have a strong relationship with, with donkey welfare, with world horse welfare, with these other longer term organizations. Uh, and so they started there. That was the first workshop they attended. And then we've had a workshop every year since. So we're up to what, uh, I don't know, it's 18th or 19th, where, you know, I, we all lost count. Um, so trying to make a workshop every year. Um, we used to have them all in Mexico, and then we really launched ourselves to be independent, and we had workshops in some different countries, but we settled on the workshop every year now is in an area of Costa Rica that's, um, it's, it's a good place to work, uh, it's a fun place to work, it's, it's, the animals are not as a need as in some other places in the world that we work, but it's a good place to have a, a workshop, consistent animals, and, and we know what we're going to see and can deliver. Um, that's, that's how it started, and from there, each year it seems like somebody shows up, they want to start another project, and another project gets started under the umbrella of the Equitarian Initiative, um, which was, was made into a 501c3. and, and continues to grow each day to try to make opportunities for equine veterinarians to go out and to give back to a profession that's been very good to all of us. And I understand that the ideal situation for the equitarians is not just to, as you said, parachute in and do good and leave, but to create a sustainable training and education. And actually that's, that's key to it. Many of the people, uh, and, and I will fully admit to this, is that I, I was not f for jumping in someplace because I'm a firm believer that you can hand a man a fish, but if I teach a man to fish, I've accomplished a lot more. And so 
each of the groups is designed around education. So it's, it's owner education and we try to bring in local veterinarians to help up their game, to involve them into what we're doing and to involve students everywhere you go. And to even bring in, and, and it's getting to be a bigger thing in the last few years, is to bring in American students, young students, or young veterinarians in their first five years to bring them in and get them involved early on. Uh, and it's a great way to get some experience. Uh, it's a great way to see different things. It's in, and you'll get to see a whole lot of things in a very short period of time. Uh, and, and you learn how to do really basic medicine, because I got news, we don't have an ultrasound machine, we don't have a radiograph machine, your hands work really well, so your senses, so you learn to do a physical examination quickly, efficiently, correctly, and occasionally on patients that may not be that cooperative. Um, and but it's 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 fun. We have fun when we do this. But you always have to have other cooperation. I mean, you just can't bring your black bag into some foreign country and expect that somebody's going to let all these drugs go by and everything. You've got every country has different drug rules. Every country has different import rules. So you have to follow all these rules. Nobody wants to spend the night in a foreign jail. Uh, some countries have really strict rules about uh, these things, so you have to follow those rules. You really need somebody on the ground, and then you need to get somebody involved. So I, I can speak most clearly about the project that, that Julie and I have, it's Julie's project, I'll take a little credit because I help, uh, in Honduras. And so we work with, there's one and only veterinary school in Honduras, and actually our Equitarian project there has become the equine curriculum for the veterinary school. And so we teach those students, so every year we get the, I think their program is a six year program. We get the third year students, we, we try to cram as much information as we can, but we'll give them the highlights. I mean, the, the, the real down, you know, this is the basic stuff you gotta have, talk about deworming. They'll get other stuff in class, but the stuff we can give relative straight to equine, um, we try to do that. And we, we know we make a big impact because every year we come back, we, we find the students in the older classes keep trying to sneak in. They try to come with us. They try to keep helping. And we, we build strong relationships with these young people, and they've, they've, become, they've become friends over time. So it's, it's that educational component. And now we've even signed an agreement was that uh, the, the, not only the college but the country recognizes what we've done, and we've signed a, an agreement of intent to work together, uh, which is good because there was always some question whether the it's a new veterinary program and could it fail? But now it looks like they got the government involved now, so it's, it should be good and strong. So that's, that's a lot of fun. And, and when we can to bring our young veterinarians down to do that, you know, because they, they mesh better with the young people. I mean, they all have stuff in common and, and they can even teach more and learn more from each other and, and learn that it really is one great big world out there. Uh, but, but those are the things, those are the relationships you got to have if you're going to have to make these things successful. And that takes, takes a lot of time. You have, to, you have to learn the different culture barriers that are there. Um, not everybody works on American time. And, and so, um, you know, trying to get things organized and try to get it there and, and um, in a timely manner so we can be organized is sometimes a little frustrating, but it always, it, it always works. Uh, and uh, and then we go out and and the the people that we've met is 
Horsemen are wonderful, and they're the same all around the world. And some need to learn more than others, but uh, you meet a real horseman along the line, and, and you've met him before, and, and uh, they're out there, and you try to lift them up because people need to, to listen to them and, and try to do that. So we try to do that in the communities and try to give them lessons about how to handle their animals in a more humane way. Um, and, and teach that, yeah, these are part of your family. And for these people down here, down there, it, it is part of the family because without them, economically, they're in big trouble because the, the, the equid, whether it be a horse, a donkey, or a mule, becomes part of them making what little income they make. And, and it's been fun because we've even invented some things to make it easier to do jobs, to do for the veterinarians to do jobs, and, it, and things that don't cost very much to make it happen. Well, let's, for, let's say for a veterinarian or a vet student or, or even a vet tech in America who might be interested to going along, let's, let's first talk about what does a day look like if you're on an equitarian work day? Oh. So a day, a work day, uh, and an equitarian work day. Why are you going to get up fairly early in the morning? Take a cold shower, probably, which is good because it's hot. And 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 you're going to start. You're going to start. We try to start with with uh, a meal. And if you if you come with us to Central America, I hope you like uh, rice and beans because you're going to get a lot of rice and beans. Um, some other various. Rice and beans are good though. <laughs> tortillas, tortillas, and you'll get good coffee. And and uh, stock up with plenty of water. And we're gonna go out to, uh, we'll meet, we'll get everything packed up. Um, occasionally, depending on the day, we may actually have a, an hour or two to have a little lecture um, to the locals that will they'll also help go out and teach, especially when we're working with World Horse Welfare, trying to help with some of their training by teaching their people some of the the medical side of this thing but then we're all going to load up into a bus and some trucks to carry our goods out there we're going to go up we're going to set up we, we tend to set up everything into stations so you have an intake station that will label everybody so we can try to keep track of it because because on the outside of where we're going to work it's chaos there's there's mules and horses and donkeys and everybody's talking and and we're trying to we're trying to be organized so we'll set up into stations you'll have a the the intake from the intake they will tell you to go here and then you can get you'll get uh, examined and then dewormed and vaccinated and maybe treated for ticks depending on what you are also they will they will do the first things about looking for bat bites or other things like that they will look for things oh okay now do you need to go to the farrier you need to know this oh you want your horse castrated you're going to go over here and we try to order it or you know your horse yes we looked at the horse's teeth you're going to need to go to the dental station and we prioritize each one of these things that they're going to go and then this person will go along and with their little sheets so we can keep track of everything and they'll go to station to station where we'll have people working to do each one of the jobs. And do you have repeat equids coming back year after year yes. or are you seeing a lot of new ones? I mean what's what both, do you think? Both. Um, we, we've so <laughs> So we're, we're trying to collect more and more data. And, and since, you know, in Honduras, we've been in the communities a lot. We're actually moving out to one community because we've done so well and the horses look so much better and they put, you know, they, they're happier, they're fat. And, and 
the people have learned how to take care of them better. So it's, it's sort of in a maintenance, sustainable maintenance thing. So we need to move on because it's, there's, there's, there's another village down the road, just a little piece. So we'll, we'll set up again, but we're trying to do that. We've, we've tried to work out some stuff so we've, we can, we can follow along, but we do keep records on everything. Every horse that we've ever looked at, it's got records. So we try to at least keep that and we start to recognize people. And when, when you work with a group in country, they know the people. So yeah, they've been here before. You know, sometimes you can't follow the names of the animals because they're they're all, you know, Graciela, you know, and Joe, and, and yeah. So it's it's like, but and and sometimes they'll just make up names because they just call him Burrow or whatever, and and um, then we we want a name and, and they'll make up a name. So so we we. I had a project to, to actually put chips in them to, to do that and and because then we wanted to be able to follow them and actually get more weights and stuff so we're still working on working on logistics at this point and, and now that things in Honduras will be more permanent I think we can we probably can go back and do this again and of course I've, I've talked to you and, and Dr. Wilson and many other people that have worked on these equitarian initiatives and the one thing that always seems to surface in the conversation is getting down there and, and putting the time in with these working equids kind of takes you back to your roots as a veterinarian. And this is really why you became a vet. You can make such a difference in the lives of these people and these animals that it feels so good. It, yes. It, it's... Um... I, I fully admit to everybody, the first time I went on one, it, it's, um, I, I went to protect my wife. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, whatever you want. I'm, for, I'm for our audience's clarification, Dr. Julie Wilson is Dr. Turner's wife. Yes, so whatever she wants, yes, I'll do it, I'll help, I'm there. And, and I had my doubts, but working there a day, and, and, it's, and you can immediately see the difference that you're making. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, again, working with the students and, and I had forgot the feeling I was in academia for 25 years and I forgot what it felt like when you can, when you're working with a student and all of a sudden you see the light go on and they get it and they were understanding and they were so enthusiastic about wanting to learn something, really hands-on stuff, simple things, but it, it's that. And the other thing I like about it is because this, it, it's basics. No, we're not going to go send him off to an MRI or do this or that. It's like, no, feel it, touch it, smell it. And I, and I think this sort of training for a young veterinarian is, is just essential. They, 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 they don't get enough of that uh, or things are, people try to be too much in a hurry. This is the basic examination. This is what you need to do. This is what you can feel and the, the amount of things that you can see and feel. Can I fix everything down there? No. I can fix a few things and we can do it right then and there and and we can do simple things um, and you know we can do castrations we can do stuff and, and you can learn how to do stuff um, in, in different fashion we change our own paradigm by going back to our own very basics and going yeah you know I could even do this especially when you have enough experience that I go yeah I, I know all sides of this thing we can do this easier and show people how to do things easier to get to the same point from, from an examination or or a surgery or um, you know it's like I don't know why it's like because why is it written like that in a book don't know some guy copied that from that to there to there but here's a simpler method 
And I mean, and I'm talking dumb simpler method. I, that, I don't know why it's not done that way. This is the way we're doing it down here. Um, so, I mean, just as a side, one of the things is, is that, so we were down there and we, we, we needed to euthanize a horse. Well, we can't carry barbiturates down there. So, so we, we actually, we, all of us decided that we need, so we bought this horse because we really thought he needed to be put to sleep. And, and it cost us $25. That, that's what we all negotiated, you know, was negotiated because I don't, my Spanish is really poor, but we negotiated that price. And that was the price that the guy was going to sell to the circus when it came through because he was evidently going to be lying food. And we thought, well, what's it now? Can we do this? And, and so we bought it and then we wanted to euthanize and it was like, how are we going to do this? And, and this was a number of years ago and it's like, I don't know, we better be clever. And, and it's like, okay, so what we're going to do, what do we have? So what we have is I can put, we can put an IV catheter in it. That's easy enough. Uh, but, you know, we don't have enough xylazine. I suppose you could use all of our xylazine and ketamine to kill it, but we can't do that because we got other animals we got to treat. Uh, and so it was like, so the easiest way to do this is let's just anesthetize it. Then we have this list we all discussed. What is like, you know what, magnesium sulfate will overload the heart and it'll stop. So we just made a saturated solution of, of Epsom salts, poured it into a bag, and administered it intravenously, and the horse passed away. And since then, uh, you know, so, so I got good at euthanizing horses and, and different alternative methods of euthanasia. So now I'm actually work, doing some work with the AVMA to, to change the equine guidelines because of the issues that have come up in the United States. So here's something that we learned in our equitarian projects that we brought back here that became very practical. So all the alternative methods of euthanasia that will be in the new guidelines from the AVMA were all, have all been practiced in, in the developing world. They've all been found to work very well. Um, and and they're easy. They're easier than, than um, doing that. And then the, the carcass is safe. You know, it's, it's not full of barbiturates. And, and uh, so, yeah, another story. But it, it's, it's the trips. We learn different things on the trips. Yeah. So let's say that there is a vet, a tech, a student, a company, an individual who wants to either donate time, product, or money to the Equitarian Initiative. How do they go about finding out more and doing that? So the easiest way is, is to go to uh, equitarianinitiative.org, just Google it or type it in to your, in your search line in, in your computer and it'll take you to the website and there's information there. There's information about each one of the different uh, trips. There'll be information how to donate. Um, and that's the easiest way to do it. There's also a Facebook site um, that you can do, but it's, you know, it's a little harder to give on that, but you can because you can directly donate on that. Uh, you can also, um, well, every year when, I, when we come up for Honduras, I get on my own Facebook sites um, and ask for donations, and you can set up stuff through Facebook. Uh, so you can get direct donations through that, or some people will donate directly to that. Uh, that's, or if you want product, 
the people of Minnesota have always been, they know what we do, so a lot of the barns collect different things we can use, like fly masks and different things like that. Uh, old used halters are really handy. Um, and um, they donate that, brushes, we like a lot of brushes, um, and combs and stuff, And because we teach just basic husbandry, and because you'll see some skin conditions, and all you need to do is have a good brush and a little elbow grease, and you can take care of these things. Um, and so I think it's all, all donated. People are very generous. Companies are very generous. Uh, on occasion, we've had things that really aren't useful for us, but we've gotten permission that we can put them in a silent auction or some other way to get money, and then we can use that money to, to generate the project funds. Yeah, so uh, if anyone's interested in donating their own time, products from a company, or you're interested in volunteering to go on a trip and learning more about that, it's equitarianinitiative.org. You can just uh, Google that and uh, find out more and how you can become involved. Well, thank you, Dr. Turner, for joining us today on Equimanagement Disease Du Jour. And thank you, our listeners, for listening to this podcast. You can hear previous and future episodes of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We hope you'll join us in the future for another episode of Disease Du Jour. This episode of Disease Du Jour is brought to you by equinevetedu.com, a free online educational platform for veterinarians, vet students, and vet techs, brought to you by Equimanagement. Visit equinevetedu.com for free race-approved CE and courses on topics of current interest.